This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Strangers and Aliens, episode 317, E3, 2019. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. Strangers and aliens. I am your father's best friend, Bummer. Versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that He created something. So we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to Strangers and Aliens, the podcast where we talk about the intersection of pop culture and Christianity, uh, a little theology, a little fun, and hopefully uh, by the end of the <laughs> end of the episode, we'll learn something too. Um, I am here with a good friend of the good friend of the show. He's been on many times, especially the E3 uh, yearly segments. I guess it's a series at this point. Uh, Dana Lucas Timmerman. I call him Lucas. I don't know exactly why, but everyone else calls him Dana. <laughs> you can call him anything you want, I guess, as long as it's not late for dinner. Oh, <laughs> these are the jokes, folks. Um, so anyway, introduce yourself a little bit for people who maybe this is their first episode, even though you've been on before. Why don't you give them a little bit of yourself there? Uh, sure. Um, yeah, my name is... Uh Dan Lucas Timmerman. I, I usually go by DL when it comes to uh, my pen name, DL Timmerman. Um, I've written a novel. I'm a published author. I've done journalism in the past. I uh, co-founded a writing group called the Right Fight Gift Club. It's uh, on social media, Twitter, Instagram. And uh, I, I also write manga. I write uh, spec fic, uh, specula- speculative fiction, uh, working on a big steampunk fantasy novel right now, as well as a supernatural thriller uh, manga. And uh, yeah, I... Uh, do martial arts, I best get insurance claims. A lot of fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, you got to do something, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. And uh, I am Steve MacDonald. Uh, ben Avery is in Ben Avery land doing Ben Avery things. And Evan is probably real close to there, probably orbiting that uh, that Ben Avery planet in his own little Evan's satellite, and uh, they're uh, they're not with us today for whatever reason. Evan's uh, having some uh, computer problems, so keep him in prayer, everybody. Um, so uh, we are going to talk about E3, which, if you're picking this episode to listen to out of all of our episodes, then you must know what E3 means. <laughs> If you don't, and you're just listening to all 317 of our episodes in order, and you've got to this point without knowing what E3 is, you're in trouble, son. <laughs> <laughs> um, you uh, E3 stands for uh, uh, 
uh, Electronic Entertainment Expo. Is that it? Or? Uh, electronic, yeah. I believe Electronic Entertainment Expo. Something like um, that. E3. Yeah, I've been... Geez, I, I covered this back when I was uh, a journalist at Infuse Magazine years ago, and I've been covering it ever since. That's where we met, right? Uh, Infuse Magazine. That, right? that is where we met. That's right. right. <laughs> I was an editor there. We started writing and working on projects together. Yeah. It was quite fun. Yeah. Uh, I've been to E3. I was a guest uh, 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 from BioWare's guest a few years ago. Uh, they're, they're a game company there. and um, I've thought about going back. I don't really know if I want to or not, but... Uh, uh, it's definitely a fun event. It's kind of like uh, Christmas for gamers, they call it sometimes. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's 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 a fun event. It's it's interesting. Uh, this one was more spread out than some of their other ones. Um, it was definitely a little different. It had a different feel to it, uh, mainly because there's a transition. We're kind of like in that transition period right now because a new generation of consoles are coming out next year. So um, there's a lot of there's that transition period. So it's kind of, in some ways they call it a lame duck year. Uh, has been in the past. I honestly thought this was a pretty good E3. Um, not like mind blowing, but uh, it was interesting uh, in especially how it started. There's there's a lot of things in in the E3 this year. I thought that was uh, sort of uh, man. It, it definitely made you think about some things. I, I, I would put it like that. <laughs> okay. So how how are you gonna? The, uh, DL is gonna break down the episode for us this time because I wasn't there. I'm not that into the gaming culture. But I'm usually here for these episodes, and um, since Evan couldn't do it, I wanted to make sure that, you know, it's not him just doing it alone. You never never can trust Dana Lucas, the microphone alone. <laughs> I'll never stop talking. <laughs> That's right. That'd be a 14-hour episode. So he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna, uh, walk us through... Uh, his his structure for the episode, and he's gonna he's he's basically I'm I'm basically gonna be the the question guy in this episode. So run with it, buddy. Well, I mean, uh, I don't know. I figured I'd start off with uh, how the very first conference, which was Google, and it's kind of a look at the future, possibly of entertainment, and then maybe we could talk a little bit about some of the new hardware that was teased. Uh, go into some of my favorite games and uh, speak about a couple of disappointments that took place. Uh, right. And I thought that would be kind of a good way of covering it. Um, and if you will, we can just jump right into uh, to Google if you'd like to. Do it. So uh, Google had their massive conference uh, with a, it's hard to say a system, but they call it Google Stadia. And uh, it's better just to explain how this works. So basically, there's only one console. In a sense, you know, there's a, it's actually a central hub, and from this central hub, they would digitally uh, project whatever it is they're playing to any device that you happen to have. So, let's say you're on a cell phone right now, and I wanted to play the latest game at whatever quality uh, I happen to want to play it at. They're able then to stream that to my phone. My phone doesn't have to be made to play games; that doesn't matter. Just as long as it can catch a signal, I'd be able then to play this game on my phone, right? Or on a tablet or on a laptop or on a uh, desktop. So it's not about buying the hardware. There's no physical hardware for me to own. It's more like Netflix. It's basically Netflix for gaming. So there's no downloads. There's no physical copy. And everything is 100% stream. It's a streaming service for games. And uh, this is definitely something that the industry, you can kind of tell there is a push for this to take place, for this to happen eventually where you would see uh, all the games, kind of like Netflix, basically, where everything's streaming. A little different than Netflix, though, um, for in a number of ways. Uh, first off, of course, there is there is a monthly fee, which is like Netflix. You pay like 10 bucks a month in order to get this service, which, you know, yeah, that's what you pay for Netflix, right? 
but uh, you also pay full price for any for pretty much all the different games. So you're still paying sixty dollars out of pocket, same price wow. you paid if you the store and got a physical copy of the game. But you don't own anything. Your ownership is one hundred percent gone, and so you, you're just streaming it. They can shut that stream off at any time they want, and you're out of sixty bucks, and you got nothing to show for it. So that's wow. that's something to think about. Um, and of course, there's the bandwidth limitations. Well, I, and each different uh, category, whether you want to stream it at 720p or 1080p or 4K or 8K or whatever, that takes up a lot of bandwidth. So to give you an example, uh, uh, my my cell phone right now, or so the cell phone plan that I have, you know, I'm at, I'm at work doing you know all kinds of investigations and stuff like that. I like to listen to uh, audiobooks, I you know, music and whatnot. So I'm at about 25 gigs of, and you know, obviously emails and all that kind of stuff. I use about 25 gigs of bandwidth per month. Well, <laughs> if you want to be streaming at 4K, you're going to use at least 10 gigs or more. I mean, we're talking, that's some serious, serious uh, uh, strain on your data plan. Wow. And depending on what kind of internet provider you have, a lot of internet providers put data caps. So let's say you hit 25 gigs. Oh, you want to go another 25 gigs, here's 50 more bucks, here's 100 more bucks. Suddenly, you're spending you know 250 bucks on just the internet wow. alone, right? And uh, these are things that were bothering me as I'm listening to this. I understand it was cool. Uh, the convenience of it was cool, right? So, oh yeah, you want to you know play a game on your tablet or your laptop, any game you want. Don't have to worry about the settings of your laptop to stream it. That sounds cool. But then, at what price are you paying for this convenience? You're you're sacrificing your ownership rights. And you're going to be paying. Uh, you're, you're hoping that companies don't get more and more greedy and put data caps and stuff. And uh, <laughs> you're hoping that a game you bought, you just bought, doesn't get shut down the stream. You just you're out sixty bucks. And, and a lot of faith and a lot of strange things. But the thing is, it's not just games that you see could be doing this in the future. It's it's movies, it's music, it's television, it's books, even software. Check this out, Steve. This is crazy, but. You know, my industry, I, I use Adobe Creative Suite all the time. So I'm always on the, you know, hearing all the different software, different new technologies coming out. And one of the articles that passed across my desk, like, it was probably about a month ago, was about Adobe. This is Adobe Creative Suite, Adobe Photoshop, Adobe Illustrator, you know. They're, uh, they sent out to some of their users that if you're using older software, they technically could sue you if you have not updated your version of whatever software of theirs that you're using. Wow. I'm like... Whoa, whoa, wait, what? So if I'm on CS4, or I'm not, I actually have the latest version, but if I, if I happen to be using CS4, which is, you know, obviously, while almost nine years old, still it works, right? I happen to have an old copy of CS4 on physical edition. Uh, are you saying you would, you would sue me if I happen to use that? That's really? crazy. I bought it. But, but that changes, like, this sort of stuff, you could see this taking place in like 10, 15 years, everything being 100% digital in this digital age. And man, I, I don't I don't know that I like that. I, I don't, I'm not really super excited about that. Because when I started putting everything together and kind of weighing everything, hearing all the stuff, you know, I'm like, man, the pluses and minuses, definitely not excited about about the potential that this has. And, uh, and this definitely didn't excite me with hearing all these different prices and whatnot. Yeah, <laughs> but wow. anyway... Uh, and of course, the other issue is the uh, United States doesn't have, I mean, not everyone around the country has like amazing internet. The internet signal 
it varies so much from state to state, from area to area. It's just not, there's no, it's logistically, it just can't work. But like even Australia, they have bad internet there as well. Uh, it's there's countries that just not gonna work in. It just yeah, it, it's a whole other thing about that. But anyway, that was how E3 started. It sounds like it started bad, but really it didn't. It, it was kind of a preview of what this this maybe the future that we're looking at for you know entertainment across the board. But there were some good nuggets in it. Um, and uh, switching into our second segment, uh, transitioning in over there, we had uh, Sony. Now Sony didn't attend E3. They uh, they they kind of took this year off. Uh, this comes back to kind of this year being that lame duck year, and they're figuring, you know what, we're holding back stuff. We're going to wait till next year to kind of reveal everything that we got going on. But they did put out some teases, and their big tease was PS5. So they went ahead and released some of the specs for PS5, and uh, that's their next system after PS4. And uh, basically Xbox did the same thing with the Xbox. They're calling it the Xbox Scarlet. And they sound pretty much the same, honestly. <laughs> uh, there's some developers that are saying the Xbox is real powerful. Other ones are saying, no, 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 PS5 is real powerful. I have no idea that's funny. Who knows? Um, but uh, they're talking about some big things, though. Uh, for instance, one of the big things they want to add in this next generation of consoles is uh, ray tracing, which I think would be really interesting. Now, if you don't know what ray tracing is, essentially it's um, perfecting shadows, use of light, depth of vision, and uh, something like something like water. If you've ever seen water effects in a video game, they're usually terrible. <laughs> but ray tracing fixes that problem. So you can imagine crawling along wet asphalt uh, with the rain pouring down on you. Um, it suddenly becomes very, very realistic. And that is actually a very hard thing to do with today's technology in terms of the video game consoles that we have. Now, PCs can do it, but consoles have not been able to do that. Now they will be able to, apparently, in this next generation. Apparently, they're going to be able to have resolution to 8K. Now, they're not going to be rendered for 8K because most people, hardly anybody, has an 8K television anyway. Uh, but they'll be upscaled. So so basically, the games will be built for 4K, and then if you happen to have an 8K television, I don't know why you would, but let's say you do, <laughs> uh, they will upscale to 8K, which right now the resolution they've had is about 1080p. So that's actually a big jump. Yeah, there's some 4K stuff, but really most of the stuff's made for 1080p. Um, this generation of consoles, the last seven years, have really struggled with they struggle with 30 frames per second, much less 60. Apparently, and 60 is kind of like your golden point. You hit 60 frames a second. That's a that's a nice solid uh, frame. Uh, you know, that's your frames per second. That's a, that's a good clip rate. Um, this new generation of consoles, they're promising 120 frames per second. Wow. So uh, definitely a big uh, th- this this generation of consoles. What they're promising is a much bigger leap than what we saw last generation from the 360 to the Xbox One X or from the PS3 to the PS4. This next generation is a huge leap, which you don't mind that I have to say uh, for those two systems anyway. I'm going to talk about Nintendo in a minute, but for those two systems, my big worry is price. Like I'm like hmm, you're gonna you know. Just to get, if they were, if they really do mean they're going to render for 8K, you're talking about two massive graphic cards that are shoved into your system. You're talking about a, a game console with those graphic cards that will probably run you around two thousand oh, dollars. I just don't see consoles wow. ever being that amount. That'd be way too much. I mean, <laughs> I can't see them going more than five hundred. If, if they even hit, even at five hundred, there's a lot of people that would be saying, "No, that's too expensive for a console." Yeah. I don't want to spend five. You know, four, three hundred bucks. That's usually what people want to spend. 
Um, maybe if it's amazing, like uh, they'll, they'll go for 500 bucks. But if you start getting up to $1,000 for a console, you're really going to shoot yourself in the foot. So uh, I am a little worried about some things. I'm also worried they may be overpromising. We'll, we'll see what they can do. Um, uh, the other thing I want to talk about uh, with the, the hardware real quick, um, then I'll let you ask questions. I'm sorry, I'm going real fast with the hardware setting, but uh, the Switch, because this is what I'm really excited about, honestly. Okay, so this wasn't announced at E3, but it was leaked as E3 was ending, right? So whether or not it's true, it, it definitely seems to be. The Wall Street Journal was even reporting on this. Apparently, they talked to manufacturers and distributors that were saying, yeah, this, there is a Switch Mini and a Switch Pro. It's already done. We're just masking. We're, we're ramping up production, getting it ready for this holiday season. I'm like, whoa. Wow. Just by the Xbox Scarlet, that's all late 2020. There could be a Switch Pro coming out. Now, the Nintendo Switch, I have fallen in love with the system. It, it is, it's just a fun system. It's like, it takes gaming back to the old school stuff, man. Super Mario, Legend of Zelda. Uh, I've been playing Civilization VI and building my own little civilization, running around. <laughs> I just been having fun. I mean, it's, it's just a fun. And, and uh, the, the rumor is that it's going to have four times the memory, uh, double the RAM, and will finally shoot at 1080p with 60 frames per second handheld device, which would be just phenomenal. And once we get to the games, you'll see the Switch. The Nintendo killed E3. They were phenomenal at E3, which is an amazing library of games. And, um, yeah, a Switch Pro would be just phenomenal. And it's not going to cost you $5 billion either. It's going wow. to be affordable, you know? So, I mean, that's a, which is cool and, and just a fun thing to play. So, uh, yeah, so that that was kind of uh, – uh, there was a uh, last part of a hardware where just uh, – there's some PC stuff, but the PC uh, – I mean, I don't know. There's some new stuff that AMD is showing off. Uh, from a professional perspective, just real quick, from a professional perspective, I, I really feel that AMD, uh, I know the AMD is going to be powering the PS5 and the Xbox Scarlet, but uh, usually just from my mindset, you know, as someone who uses all this stuff all the time, when I, when I hear AMD, I think multitasking. So if you're able to multitask, it's phenomenal for AMD over Intel any day. For gaming, usually though, I would choose Intel over AMD. However, AMD did show off some new processors. They were like, had like 16 cores, some ridiculous number, 4.7 gigahertz. I'm like, wow, that's, that's, that's hardware. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know how it runs, but it sounds pretty much amazing and a lot cheaper than Intel. So um, <laughs> the i9, that's for sure. Anyway, so uh, any questions on any of that, Steve? I know I just went over a bunch of stuff all at once, so I figured I'd slow down. <laughs> um, I imagine if anyone has questions about it, they could, you know, type in after the episode, after yeah. I hear the episode and, um, yeah. maybe Google some of the stuff themselves. I don't, I'm, Absolutely. I'm so removed from it. I don't even know what questions to ask. So <laughs> I'd be like, so what's a gig? <laughs> well, how about, here's, here's a question. How about this? You know, we're writers. Um, we use software. What, what do you think about that future? If everything became digital? And there was no ownership. Is convenience worth the price if it costs you your ownership over things? Absolutely not. No, I mean America was built on you know uh, rights for ownership. I mean you know uh, uh, rights of, of owning property. Yes, but you want to have ownership of the stuff that you produce. Um, yeah. So. 
I, I mean, the free market is all about that. The, I mean, it's just, it, it just goes into biblical concepts of, uh, you know, you work and, you know, if, if you don't work, you don't eat. You know, if you work, you know, you, you get an honest wage. So, you know, personally, I, things like that that are sort of monolithic, I think it'll, it'll break down and it'll, there'll be other iterations of, you know, different things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sort of like how they said that it's going to be a paperless society. Oh, and, yeah. and look, yeah. we have no paper. You can't find a piece of paper nowadays, you know, but it's, it's because some people use paper and to, they, to make sure that they have all the stuff on paper. And some people yeah. use, you know, electronic, some people use both. And it has gotten to the point where you can find almost anything on the yeah. computer, but yeah. you can still find stuff on paper. I mean, I've found, yeah. I've found books that you, I can't, I, you can't find anywhere else. You know, and my wife is like, "Why don't you just get one off at in Amazon and just load it in electronic copy?" I'm like, "There's no electronic copy. <laughs> this is like written in the 1820s. <laughs> this isn't electronic copy." It's so. not just that. I think um, one of my favorite fantasy series, I believe, is called Black Company. Um, yeah, they're, they're only available if you want to copy. It's it's uh it's got to be paperback or hardcover. You're not going to find that on Audible. You're not going to find that. Yeah, it, it's a phenomenal series. Um, uh, great books. So yeah, there, there's some, yeah, there's some truth in that. Also, I don't, I will listen to something on Audible out of, I, I do do that out of convenience, but I am doing a lot of other stuff while I do it. But I do prefer though, all of a sudden done being able to sit down, open a book up and just read it and mm-hmm. have it in my hands. I like that so much more than Kindle. Yeah. Um, I like Kindle, nothing wrong with it. It's all good. It's good to be able to carry five million books on you without, you know, just a little tiny light bulb thing. But Something about that new book smell. I still get a kick out of going to the bookstore. Uh, <laughs> love the smell of books. I can sit in there all day. Um, uh, I love going. Th- I love going through old um, used bookstores and finding some ancient treasure buried underneath a stack of other books. You know, and there's something about that. You just don't get that on Amazon. You nope. don't get that on, nope. uh, online. And uh, meeting other people while you're there, saying you know, and hanging out with authors who come in for book signings or something awesome yeah. about that. Or different covers of, you know, oh, so it, yeah. there's there's books that I, I was like, you know, eh, I don't know if I want to read that book. And then I get like an older version of it or even a newer version of it or something. It's like the new covers. And you're like, this yeah. looks wow. cool. <laughs> you know, I want to read this. And, you know, it's just the, everything about it. You know, I, I don't know what it is. I can't read faithfully on my on my phone. Some people can. My wife, she'll read hundreds of books. On her phone. And, yeah. and you know, she reads them once, she reads them twice. I don't even know how many times she reads them. She, but that's that's the way she does it. With me, yeah. I could start a short story. And, you know, it's like I put it down and it's like it goes away. I don't know why. Because it's still, it's still print on a you know, screen or a piece of paper or something. But yeah. for me personally, it just goes away. You know, there's so many things I've started to read. And then I'll think about them like a year later. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, it, it's, it, I'm, do I want to go back and try to reread it or try to read, try to find where I was? You know, there's no bookmark. There's no, you know, dog-eared page to tell you where you were. You can't write a note in it. I guess some, some things you can. But, you know, you can't just jot with a pen on your phone. Yeah. But, you know, it's... It's just one of those types of things, you know. Different people are different ways. It's kind of like you know, um, I read Ender's Game, 
you know, and, and I can remember, I love that book. I, I remember I picked that book up, I couldn't put it down, I had to finish it like basically in one sitting. And uh, never read the sequels, but at first that Ender's Game book was great. And, you know, I'm reminded of it because I have it on my bookshelf. Yeah. I can't get that from a Kindle because, you know, it's, it's in the Kindle. But when I walk by the bookshelf and just I, I glance over and I see, oh, hey, it's uh, Name of the Wind or, you know, uh, Way of Kings or, hey, there's Ender's Game. And just I remind, oh, yeah, this is a great book. So, or Scythe. By the way, Scythe is a great book. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> was, you see these books are just amazing. And just being able to see those things, you know, whether you're seeing The Hunger Games or, or Truth Witch or wherever it might be, just, just seeing them on the shelf. And I, that's something I do. When I get a book and I listen to an audible, I, I if I like the book, I'll then go buy the hardcover and paperback and put it on my shelf, and I'll flip through it there again. I feel like I feel like the audible is kind of like the appetizer. <laughs> nice. The main course is now sitting down reading it. That's so, awesome. Um, anyway, uh, so I guess we should break into games and talk about some of the games that were there. Yeah, do it. Uh, and there's some. There's a. I couldn't believe. Okay, the first game I saw, which was actually shown off at the Google Stadia conference, but this, this particular game you know, is going to come to the system. It's going to come to everywhere, right? And I couldn't believe it. It's a Boulder's Gate 3. Now, for anyone that knows old-school RPG games, a Boulder's Gate is kind of like that grandfather. I mean, they, it's like they're like the J.R.R. Tolkien of the of video game <laughs> RPGs, right? I mean, it's like to see Boulder's Gate 3 is like shocking. Like, whoa. They, whoa, this is like insane. I can't even... Has it been 15 years since the last Boulder's Gate? I don't even... Maybe longer? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it was Bioware that made the first two, I believe. Um, and the C3 is going to be made by Lawrence Studios. Now, these other guys who made Divinity Original Sin 1 and 2, which are phenomenal, old-school-like um, RPGs. They're just, just so good, so well done, which give you such a uh, uh, freedom of choice in what you get to choose your own character, decisions you get to make, just phenomenal games. And uh, in fact, this is their big game, and that that was actually my game of the show. Just seeing Boulder's Gate three. Now they didn't show a lot; it was just this trailer, this cinematic trailer of these things called the Mind Flayers, uh, which are kind of like basically like uh, little octopus creatures. They have like telekinesis and stuff, and the way they reproduce is they have these little bugs they put into other species, and they take over the other species and turn them into one of their own. And there, it looks like they're invading the world because we see them all just kind of uh, covering the entire world and they're showing up in gigantic ships and the whole world's under this invasion. Uh, so they're going to be a great enemy, that's for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I thought it had had a little bit of a scary vibe to it, definitely that dark fantasy um, uh, sort of genre. And I, I loved every minute of it. It definitely was like, oh, that's cool. And, of course, just seeing that me as a as – a, uh, a spec fic uh, writer, just like, oh, this is so much cool imagination. I love anything that inspires me. I thought that game was definitely on the top of my list. Uh, I couldn't believe it going back to a classic. I thought that was awesome. Very cool. Uh, and another game that really blew my mind was uh, Zelda Breath of the Wilds 2. Um, and uh, just seeing a cinematic trailer for, for Zelda. I know they're doing a, a Link Awakening, uh, which is a remastering of an older Zelda game as well. But uh, they then showed this, just this trailer that was uh, just mind blowing. Uh, it's just crazy how Nintendo does that. Like any other studio tries to show off a sequel to a game that you that you've heard about for the last twenty five years, and like ah, that's cool, whatever. But Nintendo somehow they're able to show off this, this uh, sequel to Zelda, and uh, you're like, oh no, this is the most. <laughs> 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 and 
but it was. It, it looked it looked great. It definitely had a dark vibe to it. Uh, it looked like uh, I'm pretty sure this is going to be related to Twilight Princess and the ending there with with the Ganon, but I don't know for sure. Um, but anyway, I'm excited about it. It looks great. I'm hoping Zelda is actually playable for once because they're reimagining of Zelda in this Breath of, in the first Breath of the Wild was just fantastic. They actually made her a real character, like she was a real living, breathing character. And um, I love the fact that she was a powerful magic, all that good stuff. But really, the big thing about Zelda is she was just they, they did a really good job of making this a character. Uh, I mean, her doubts in herself. I, I know you haven't played the first game, but but the Breath of the Wild. But just that she she grows. There's a character arc to her. Um, let me stop and say this, this is probably getting me in trouble, but I, I know uh, there's been this big thing in the films and stories to have strong female characters. And um, if you force that, if you force an agenda in your story, you ruin the storytelling. You can, yeah. But if you have, you can have a strong female character. Many, many stories have had a very strong female character. Miss and Sanderson or, uh, the Metroid series by Nintendo was sad this was surprise no one seems to know Samus is a girl <laughs> has been one of very strong characters for 35 years yeah. but, um, but but Zelda I mean they how do you how do you write a great strong character you give them first off you give them flaws and you give them growth that's the second thing you give them tension she has all that in, in Breath of the Wild and she starts off as being someone who is doubting herself who uh doesn't believe her own powers. Doesn't know what's wrong with her. She's she's almost like borderline depression. Just you know, it, she's struggling with failure. Like we, like many people can relate to. People can relate to those experiences. <laughs> and over the course of this story, by the end of it, she is coming into her own. She's learning to grow. She's growing. She's you know, every time every time you hit with any experience in life, any experience, any trial. You have two options. You get better or you get bitter. And so she had that option. She could be sitting there and getting bitter at what happens at the beginning of that story because at the beginning of that story, well, it's not a spoiler, Link dies. And he has to be put into this little chamber to bring him back, right? Because And it's partly her fault for doing that, right? She caused that to happen. Now, she could have sat there and been weeping about it and getting all bitter over it, but instead she got better from it. She stopped the darkness had Link um, healed and whatnot, finally brought back, I think it was like a hundred years later, he's finally brought back. And uh, if I'm recalling right, and, uh, and there's, there's growth in that and it becomes, it becomes a really powerful moment. You know, and you're like, Hey, that's actually good storytelling right there. And they don't get enough credit for that, but it's just really good storytelling. And, uh, yeah, so I'm very excited about the wild part too. <laughs> yeah, cool. And that wasn't, wasn't, uh, wasn't apparent. Um, the next one is a very interesting game on the list, and it's uh, it's it happens to be a genre of uh, there's a tabletop version of it. There's a there's a whole genre and fiction of it in Cyberpunk 2077, and uh, Cyberpunk's always been about what happens when you take capitalism, it's unchecked, and you remove morality from it. What happens to capitalism, right? Well, a lot of bad things happen to capitalism. Because well, what happens to capitalism when you remove morality? It becomes greed. That's, yeah. It just becomes with greed. That's that's what it, that's what it breeds. Kind of like when you have socialism, it, it's consumed with a lust for power 
well, really, capitalism can become consumed with lust for money, right? Oh, yeah. And so cyberpunk deals with that. It, it confronts it head on, and it's showing you a world where governments have been replaced by corporations. And where you're thinking that basically the kings are all run by different companies. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, right? And companies have their own armies and private security and whatnot, and that's basically what rules the different streets. And uh, these are the guys who brought the Witcher series to life. Now, the Witcher series was based, um, it's actually one of Poland's, if not Poland's greatest uh, writing. Or they, they, I mean, it was, it, the, the Witcher series to Poland was such a big deal, they gave a copy of the game to President Obama when he visited Poland. That's how big of a deal wow. that series is to the Polish, right? Because that was written by a very famous Polish fantasy author. Uh, who was made even more famous because the games were phenomenal. Just, uh, they did a phenomenal job. They actually did a better job than he did writing it, even though it was a very good book series. Um, so these guys love to take book series and, like, story, just give them life. And, and from what I've seen of it, now I've not played it, what I've seen of it, Cyberpunk 2077 looks phenomenal. It's going to tackle a lot of those issues head on. Uh, my only worry is it may be a bit too maybe a bit too rough around the edges, not in terms of like the game, the game's beautiful. You're going to have tons and tons of freedom, but um, my only worry is there's going to be some stuff in there that may be a bit too mature, if, I, if you know, if you get my drift on that. Yeah. Uh, here and there, because you're talking about a world where you're morality. You can bring morality into the game, but you're in a world where a lot of that's been removed. And it, it, there's a reason for it, I understand there's a purpose for it, but then again, it's just something to, to note if, uh, especially if you're a parent, you know, and you're thinking about a game like yeah. that, there's, there's stuff, even for yourself, yep. there's stuff to know to, to be cautioned of. Uh, so I'm not even hundred percent sold on. I, I'm, I'm going to check it out on stuff, but you know, there's, you know, just, I want to see it and everything else and kind of discover what's, what's in it first, you know? So right. anyway, but it's, it's an interesting topic. It is something that is very, it's something that we do need to think about, you know, thinking about, well, what happens when you do remove, remove morality and, uh, uh, consequence and whatnot uh, from yeah. a government system like the one that we happen to be in in capitalism, and we don't want that to happen. <laughs> and in a lot of ways, it already has happened. I don't want to turn this yes. into a huge political, you know, diatribe, but, you know, Ayn Rand uh, basically did her very best to detach moral immorality from the capitalist structure. And you yeah. now have many conservatives and, you know, many other people, too, but they're latching on to that. And, you know, the whole greed is good. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the reason why the trickle-down theory didn't work was because no one allowed it to trickle down. Because they were all out to get, the you know, their own stuff. They didn't, you know, because at that point, it just, you know, the, the, the system was starting to, to break down. And we see this in the, you know, the post-capitalist capitalism that we have now. And it's... it's uh, it's scary and it's dangerous and you know, it's yes. something to watch out for. Yeah. And so maybe, you know, um, I, I think stories like this can be good. Can, it can be good. Um, you know, uh, let me, let me say this, this, this is important because there, there are, there are some people who debate, they say, well, fiction writing, Oh, that's, that's like lesser writing. If you want to write real stuff, you write only literary stuff, like nothing, nothing with the fiction. It's, it's always nonfiction. But the big thing about fiction that I do like a lot is it gives you, especially when it comes to like science fiction and uh, fantasy, 
It gives you the ability as a writer to touch on subjects that readers generally wouldn't let you touch on. Um, for, if, for instance, you can touch on capitalism, uh, you know, and, and it being a hotbed topic here when you take out morality in a science fiction, dystopia, cyberpunk kind of setting, and readers and viewers and gamers will give you that opportunity because uh, they, they have more of an open mind when it comes to speculative fiction. Unfortunately. And, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately. And, 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 uh, but it, it was something that um, even if you're going back to guys like Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, they caught into that as well when it came to like fantasy people. You could, you could hit in with fantasy and open up by touching your imagination, you can then make them think. When, unfortunately, I mean, even if you, I mean, if you even go back even further to, uh, to to Jesus, that's why he also taught parables. People, people first, they, 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 we need stories. Um, and, and stories are usually the best way to to reach so many different people. Um, is because, you know, if we just try to reach them through nonfiction means, uh, and that doesn't mean nonfiction means don't work. It, they obviously do, but uh, a lot of times uh, the stories will pull people in, and and will and just to make them think, to prod their thinking or whatnot. Maybe something like this. Maybe cyberpunk prod people to think. Like, do I want to live in this kind of world where there's yeah. no morality? Yeah. Do I do I want to live in this city? Does this city seem like a place that I want to have my kids in? Yeah. Is this where I want to live? This this is. <laughs> But the scary part is that there's not enough people doing that type of writing. They're doing the writing on the other end where they're um, normalizing, uh, you know, stuff that shouldn't be normalized. I and mean, this isn't the episode to really dig into that. But, you yeah. know, just having having things in their story that they want to to normalize. And it's it's it, break, it breaks down the family structure. It breaks down... Um, you know, uh, the religious structures and things like that. And, you know, even in, in ways that you might not even think about it, you know, it's just yeah. an offhand joke or it's just a, you know, a yeah. little, a mention here or there about something. And, but it's, it, it, it all adds to the weight of it. And, yeah. you know, you, it's, is it the 50th joke about porn that makes the, the, the kid, you know, type it into the search engine or is it the fifth or is it the first? Or is it the hundredth? You know, it, it, and every single time you, as the writer, put that in there as a joke, or put whatever it in there as as your little, you know, cultural touchstone because you want to be on the right side of history or whatever. You know, it's your. I mean, the Bible says if you, you know, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, um. You know, better that you have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the sea. You know, so yeah, and that's that's a big thing is when you have someone that does something that's bad, and you're not showing the consequences mm -hmm. of what takes place. Yeah, you know, you you won't want to show someone that's gonna. Well, it's probably just wrong episode before, but but I mean, you want to show someone <laughs> that's, that's that's sitting there and and uh, oh yeah, go, go watch the porn or whatever. Well, why don't you go ahead then and show in that book, and that's what you want to say, show what happens to that, that person's marriage, yeah. what happens to that person's psyche, yeah. what happens to that person's entire life, and watch it fall apart. But to, them, 
to them, I mean, it, it's it's not an issue. It, they've never known someone that that, ha- that that happened to, or if they did, then it wasn't someone important in their life or whatever. Yeah. So yes. you know that they, they want to to put it out there and to normalize it, or it can be you know lots of different types of perversion. It, it can be normal, you know, whatever they they call normal, you know, sexual stuff nowadays in movies, and they normalize it so that kids. Oh well, everyone else is doing it, so I must be able to do it. Well, and, well I don't know if you heard about the study. Um, this is a real study that that, took, that, that just took place. It's uh, was it, I forget what magazine it was in, but um, basically they're saying that there's a real worry right now among scientists uh, because of the uh, they're they're making these robots that men can sleep with or whatever. Yeah, the worry is, and because of the. the what the consequences of porn and whatnot, the worry is that um, men are just going to stop reproducing with real, real women. They're not even going to want to touch real women anymore. Yeah. By 2050. And there'll be no more human-like interaction like that anymore. Human to human. And uh, I'm like, wow, that's a real... <laughs> talk about a bleak future. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Wow. Okay. Wait, that's... But see, uh, let me touch on that real fast. Just to wrap that up. That's just between having an agenda where you're just trying to force a point in and sitting back and really allowing the story to breathe and consider the consequences, both good and bad, of everything you're putting into that story. Yeah. And if you're going to put something in that story, you better show the consequences, whether good or bad. Yeah. And if you're not showing the consequences, you're just plugging it in there just to do it then it's an agenda. You're ruining the story. You're ruining the immersion. And yeah, there's a consequence uh, in terms of your responsibility. That That's your responsibility as a writer. And um, I've, I've debated some people on this. They've called me an idiot for it. But um, then I read, <laughs> then I read a letter at the beginning of, uh, at the beginning of uh, Tolkien's work. Silmarillion. Uh, uh, I forget. I forget the name. I can't pronounce it. Silmarillion. There we go. <laughs> at the beginning of that book, it's so crazy. It's so crazy because at the beginning of that book, in the letter that he writes, he talks about this very issue. And he was agreeing with me. And he talked about <laughs> agendas and books. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yes, thank you, Tolkien. There you go. But I was like, but I'm like he's like, yeah, you, can't, you, you, you just can't have agendas. There's a difference between agenda and theme. So you're, you're mixing it up. You're thinking the theme is an agenda. No. The themes come naturally as you're, as you're, you're digging through the story. Agenda is something you start off with. You want to force this point. And um, if, if you're just all about agendas and you're just forcing your you're forcing your thing in there, then you're not going to think about the consequences of whatever it is you're forcing in there. You're just yeah. going to force in there regardless yeah. of anything else. But anyway, sorry. Anyway, back to video games. <laughs> back to video games. We still have good stories. Like, for instance, the next game is... Um, okay, so... This is a this is a game you know a series that has been special to me since I was a kid. Uh, that's a Halo Infinite. They did show off the next one of that, and um, which I guess technically would be. Um, well, I, I didn't play the last Halo game because I don't have an Xbox One, but I think it's like Halo Six, I think. But um, it was kind of like a spiritual reboot of, of the uh, series, it's more of a spiritual successor because the way the last one, basically the last one ended with uh, the bad guys basically winning more or less. Um, uh, robots kind of taking over, so it's gonna be kind of interesting to see how this one picks up. But uh, the trailer was very short. It was Master Chief just floating in space. Someone picks him up. He's in like a big suit. Um, uh, they pick him up on a ship. This one guy, who's all by himself, 
Um, a lot of backstory. Again, storytelling, phenomenal. They gave so much backstory to this guy who looks like he's just going to die in space. Um, <laughs> he's watching videos of his wife and his kids. Uh, he's losing hope, and he's just floating adrift, and all of a sudden, his uh, system starts blinking. It detects something. He's like, oh, no. Like, he had this look on his face like something found me. He's going to die, right? And instead, he wipes the frost off the window, and there's Master Chief out there just floating there like, whoa. You know, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and then they bring him in. And, okay, so this is a classic line. I love this. Because then the bad guys at the end of the trailer do find them, whoever they are, right? And the guy's like, we, we, we got to run, Chief. We got to run. Do, do we run? He goes, no. And she picks up this big machine because we fight. I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I'm like, and I had to play that classic Master Chief uh, Halo music. I'm like, okay, I'm in. I'm in. It's good. Nice. <laughs> uh, the next game, Jedi Fallen Order, uh, made by Respawn. These guys who made uh, um, the oh, Apex Legends. I've, I've been playing it every now and then. It's been phenomenal. They made the Titan games. Uh, yeah, phenomenal. The game looked great. Gameplay looked phenomenal. I know some people were complaining about the gameplay, but they did. Yeah, it's it's a lot better than what people were giving it credit for. Uh, it just looks great. It looks phenomenal. I cannot wait for a single-player Star Wars game. It takes place right after Order 66 is issued at the end of Star Wars 3 Revenge of the Sith. Um, your character starts off by just working on a mine. I uh, didn't know that he had any force powers, but one of his buddies falls over and he's about to die. And he accidentally uses the force to save him. And then the Sith and the Inquisitors go after him to kill him because he uh, happens to be have force powers. He ends up learning to be a Jedi and having to survive. So there's definitely a cool, I, I love this, the premise is awesome. And the graphics, everything, it just looked, it looked like a blast. Uh, yeah, and it's Star Wars, so it has to be good for the most part. <laughs> uh, the next game, uh, uh, and of course, I'm actually more excited about that than the movie coming out this year. So anyway, uh, the next game was The Outer Worlds, which um, also looked really, really good. I thought um, it's uh, it's basically like a Fallout in uh, in space, and it's made by Obsidian, uh, who, I mean, these guys have made a lot of great games, including KOTOR 2, a nice little part part 2. But um, yeah, they, they've been. They're, they're, it's not going to be as big as a big, massive RPG, but it's going to be. It's going to be good. And everyone that's played the game has just been blown away by just how fun it is and how good it is. So I, I cannot wait. Now, very briefly, a couple other games. I'll touch on a couple ones that were kind of unique to me. Uh, the next one is Watch Dogs Three, uh, which uh, Watch Dogs Three takes place in London. Uh, the unique twist or premise to this one is. You're recruiting, so, so basically it's taking place in a kind of a setting where the government has gone so crazy that they're kind of monitoring everything and micromanaging everything. And so uh, basically like there's machines everywhere watching you and drones are flying around and you get out of line, you're kind of done kind of thing, you know. It's kind of like a, it's basically it's, a char- uh, it's like a social dictatorship kind of thing. Um, so you're fighting back against the system and you do so by recruiting people. And the fun thing about the game is you can recruit whoever you want. So, if uh, if you want to recruit a team of you know sixty five year old retired assassin grandmas, you can't. <laughs> you, you can't. Your team can be, and they will fight like it too. They'll show the like, old ladies. They, they'll they'll walk around and uh, and uh, they will they they will be a. Uh, you can have a crack team of uh, of 
uh, six, you know, uh, of the toughest uh, retired old lady assassins you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And I thought it was pretty cool because it's like you have that whole choice. And they're like sitting there feeding, like they showed the game, the, the one lady's sitting there feeding, uh, you know, pigeons in the park. And all of a sudden she's, okay, I, we need you on, you know, agent, whatever. Okay, I'm coming. And she's uh, just walking oh, along. Really? And it's, it, was, it was good. It was pretty cool. That's funny. <laughs> Um, another game that blew me away, and I really, two more games I want to talk about real quick. There's some other games that blew me away, but I want to talk about these two games real quick because they have some cool stuff about them. The first one is Ghost Recall and Breakpoint. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I love uh, Tom Clancy stuff. Um, uh, you know, I, I love also, you know, the Jack Ryan series, obviously. Uh, I love military thrillers. This is pretty good. This is different than just, like, basically... Basically, you know, you're part of Ghost. You know, the black ops, tech ops, like top of the line guys, and you're coming to this island government, right? And uh, something's going on. Something's going down on this island. Uh, it looks like a, it looks like it's actually supposed to be New Zealand, but it has a made up name, so they don't make anyone mad. But uh, some government has taken over, and you're wondering what's going on. And you get there, and you find out that ex members of Ghost Recon have turned on the U.S. government and have taken over this area and are building an army. And the game actually starts out with you being betrayed and running for your life. <laughs> right? And you can actually, if you fall down a hill, you could twist your ankle and you don't auto heal. you got to go find a place to heal yourself. So you, you can be sitting there twisting. You can, they can be chasing you and you got to cover yourself with mud and hide so they can walk by you. I'm like, wow. whoa. This is, I mean, this is like Predator stuff. <laughs> this is good stuff. This, no, but it's, I'm like, man, this is good. This is. I, I was really impressed by what I saw. Um, they had a big name actor there too, playing the bad guy. And he, man, he did. He had him acting on stage, the Ubisoft stage. It was just, it was really good. I'm like, wow, I, I actually really do want to play this. Um, it, it was, it was cool because they actually had him in character come out there and try to recruit people from the audience. <laughs> it was pretty. It was pretty cool. Um, and the last thing. Last thing is, uh, yeah, I like the remastered Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, I like Troll by Remedy, but uh, it's a game called Death. And uh, I know it sounds really morbid, but what it is it? Death. Death Loop. Death Loop. Okay. But the reason it's called Death Loop is interesting. So basically, there are two protagonists in the game, and each protagonist is an antagonist to the other protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're caught on this island. It's like a prison island, and they're from what I can tell from the trailer, it's made by the guys who made Dishonored. And Dishonored 1 and 2 are some of my favorite games ever. Phenomenal. But um, these two protagonists, they're on this island, and they think that, well, for one thing, they think that by killing the other one, they can get off this island somehow. And the reason they think they need to get off the island is because they're caught in some sort of strange loop where they can't die. So every time they die, they keep coming back. Okay. And so it just keeps happening over and over again. And they don't know what's happening. There are bad guys there. There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. But they can't seem to die. And they think that the other person is causing this to happen to them. That if they get rid of that person, they'll finally break it. But they can't ever break it. And they don't know what's going on. So it's it's a sort of crazy premise. Uh, it it kind of reminds me of uh, back in the day of a, a Ted Decker book, actually. It's called Blink. And then they made a movie called Next with, uh, I think it was, one of Nicholas Cage's good movies, where you can like think ten <laughs> seconds in, in advance. You can think like three or 
between three and ten seconds, you can think into the future. You can see into the future. So he's able to move, like, because you know he thinks of all the different variables that could happen in the future. You can see which one. Uh, it's all this mathematics stuff going on. And you can kind of calculate which one's going to happen, so you can kind of know. Uh, it's kind of like that kind of cool premise. That's kind of the vibe I got from Death Loop. Kind of like it has that cool kind of premise that could be like, yeah, that could be a fun if they do it right. It's going to be an execution whether or not they can get that done. But <laughs> um, I, I am excited about it. I, I am pretty excited about it. So those are my those are my games of the show. I think I thought were pretty cool. Um, if I were to pick a company that killed it, it would be Nintendo. They showed off so many. I can't even mention all the games they showed off. It, it was like nonstop. They showed off so many great titles. I, I just lost. I, I like, wow. Okay, Nintendo, you got me, man. Nintendo owned it. You know, I'm like, man. And you think I was some sort of Nintendo fanboy, but I, I haven't been for many years until I finally got the Switch. I, I stopped around the GameCube era, but Nintendo just like, hey, you want to play a cool game? We got some good stuff for you. Yeah. Uh, and I think it did it by bringing back the simplicity of it. Hey, let's just have a bunch of fun games. And you want to kick back and have some fun? We got some good stuff for you. I think that, that was a good idea. Um, I do have, real quick, some disappointments of the show. Um, obviously, the biggest one were, were you know, Sony and Xbox really held back a lot because they're going to reveal more stuff next year, obviously, for their new system launches, but that kind of hurt the show a little bit. Um, they show off an Avengers game, and man, uh, that Spider-Man game that Insomniac did um, last year was so good. It was on par with any Marvel movie. It was phenomenal, really? right? Wow. It was so good. This Avengers game done by Square, I, I couldn't get over the facial models of the characters. They were so bad. Really? It was so bad. It was too bad. I mean, it was, it was so bad. I, it was like, you know that Sonic the Hedgehog uh, uh, trailer they showed? I don't know if you heard about that. With the I heard about that, yeah. It was kind of like on that level. Wow. <laughs> You're like, I couldn't get my mind off it. Like, I couldn't see anything else that was happening in the game. I just saw these bad character models. I'm like, oh, that's bad. That's really bad. <laughs> it's like bad? 1989. <laughs> graphics or something, I don't know. Anyway, some of the gameplay looked kind of fun, but I don't know. I'm not excited for that game at all. And uh, the thing I'm saddest about for the whole E3 was um, uh, no Splinter Cell. And I, I know you probably don't know what Splinter Cell is, but it's a very classic spy, uh, you know, sneaking game, stealth game, okay. where uh, you're working for covert ops and you sneak and in, infiltrate, you know, bad guy terrorist cells and you're doing cool stuff. And I... I it's the kind of game where you can actually you know, apparently by the way go back to Cyberpunk you play Cyberpunk like this you literally can play the game without firing a single shot or killing a single person <laughs> and I think that's cool there's a big challenge in that you know because you're just there to you know get you know collect some sort of data and get in get out you know don't get killed right yeah and uh, it's definitely it's, it's intense what it ends up being and so it's, it's really fun um, yeah, so that's kind of my E3 review. Uh, I thought I thought it was a pretty, you know, a lot of people came away really disappointed by the show. I thought there was some good stuff there that enough to, for me to say, you know what, it was it was good to E3. It was it wasn't bad at all. It wasn't too bad. You know, there's some things, yeah, some things got held back. Yeah, you know, some disappointments with the with the Google Stadia, I think, and the Avengers kind of some big disappointments there. But you know, overall, I thought uh, I thought it was pretty cool, and I thought Nintendo just. Man, they just knocked it out of the park. Witcher 3 on, on uh, the Switch? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they knocked it out of the park. <laughs> Very cool. So what else you got on your list? That is my list. That's I, it? I have, 
I, that, I, I, I know I've talked for a million years already, but no, that, that was my list. Yeah, we we um, got this whole thing in under uh, under one hour. I mean, I, I, uh, I enjoy a, I, I, the thing. I guess one of the big things I, I really like and that I'm seeing too, I guess we should talk about this real fast since this also became an issue too. I know last year's E3 I felt was really tainted by the um, issue over the loot boxes, the loot crates, and the microtransactions, and all that sort of stuff. I know a lot of governments have gotten involved now. There's some laws that may be passed and whatnot. The United States is one of the countries that's reviewing it, the European Union. There's a whole big battle going on over that. But wow. the one thing that's really nice, and it, is it gambling? That's the big question. Is it, is it gambling? Is it, and obviously, these companies are doing it for the purpose of trying to get kids addicted to it so they can make money. I, it, it's obvious. They don't want to admit that right out obvious, for obvious reasons. But when you're making a billion bucks a year off of just FIFA, off of microtransactions and loot boxes, you're doing that for a reason and a purpose. You want to make money. Okay, so I understand but um, the cool thing about this year's E3 was there there really wasn't any mention of loot boxes or loot crates or microtransactions in any of these games. And it was actually kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy to point nowadays, like, hey, we're not going to rip you off. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. That's, <laughs> my best thing was that I wasn't ripped off. I don't even know what the game's about. I'll buy it though now because I'm not getting ripped off. I mean, that's kind of how it's kind of come to. <laughs> but um, uh, and I think I think it did make for a nicer E3 just because you know there wasn't quite as much drama about that. I know um, I, I know that there's still some battles going on. And there were some things that took place with uh, with uh, one of my favorite publishers, with Fallout 76, and it had a terrible launch. There was a bunch of legal stuff last year that took place with that. Just Thankful didn't seem to be any of that this year. Um, obviously, I didn't get to see any Elder Scrolls Six, or um, you know, I'm always hoping for a Mass Effect uh, uh, remastering of the original trilogy. I still think that's the best sci-fi. I, I, that original trilogy of Mass Effect, uh, I, I will say it, and I know that there are some people that may disagree. They'll be wrong, though, of course. But um, <laughs> it would be that, that trilogy of games, the original trilogy, is the best sci-fi story. Over movies, books, that I and, and any other game that I've ever ever experienced, it was just so well done. Even with the endings, the way they were, I, it was such a good series. Um, just phenomenal. That's it cool. Just, just such a, such a masterpiece of, of, of storytelling in that sci-fi series. To this day, I dude, I didn't think I would be sad over a character dying until I played that game. Hey, hey, spoilers. I, I, spoilers. I know, there's a people. I know, okay, I wasn't. <laughs> but there, 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 there's a scene. Am I allowed to say anything? Can I say this point? Or is that bad? No, I, I don't, don't spoil it. So okay, I, haven't even, I haven't even got into it yet, so. Okay, there, 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 there's this. The scene, though, I won't say what it is, but the scene, <laughs> even to this day, is still in my head. Even as I'm writing my stuff, I'm like, I want to make that kind of scene with that character said. I loved it. It was just, it was just on point. I'm like, man, it just it was so good. See, you can go around doing stuff with agendas and stuff like that, but you're not going to have real characters, authentic characters. But when you make authentic characters, you breathe real life to those characters, and those characters are allowed to grow, mm -hmm. and they grow on you, then, you know, things, and you let the story flow, and it's natural progression in that, in that series. 
You make powerful stories, and powerful stories they impact your reader emotionally,、uh, mentally. They make you think. They're not trying to force you to think a certain way. They're making you think about things, though, making you look like, "Hey, here's what happens in the future if you keep down this course. This was something that can legitimately happen here, right?"、Um, and here's what happens if you take up this course, and and it, it can make the characters grow, and it can add depth to the character, and. That to me is just really important.、Uh, being able to, I think that you know, when I look at the three biggest things of storytelling, I think number one are your characters. Being able to relate to the characters.、Mm-hmm. If I can have that connection with the character, I'm in your world, right? But then that's the second thing too. Second thing is your setting. I, I need, you know, and the setting becomes more important depending on what type of story. If it's a thriller, I don't care as much about the setting. Like if it's a, you know, if you're in Chicago, that's cool. But I'm going to care more about the characters, the suspense, and stuff. But you know, if it's in a fantasy world, obviously your setting that becomes really important, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then last is plot. And so,、uh, the plot. If if I I think if I don't like your plot or your setting, but I love your characters, I'll forgive you. <laughs> if if I don't like your characters, but your story, your setting has this really cool, cool premise to it, I I, I can kind of forgive you, and I probably like that setting a lot. But if you fail the setting and you fail your characters, but you give me a good plot, I probably forget about you. Wow. Because if you think, if you think about it, you no know, no no, I know that sounds bad, but the, but hear me out. If you think about it, the average reader, the average viewer, I mean, even when. I went up to a few people just a few weeks ago. Just people, just casual people. We're not talking about big Star Wars fans. Just casual people who have seen the original Star Wars movies, right? Like, hey, what were those Star Wars movies about?、Uh, people shot at each other. What were they about? There's Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker is really cool, and then you know, they they would go on this thing where they tell me all about the characters. They had no idea what the plot was. Yep. Not a single person could tell me what the plot was. No one could tell me what the plot was, but every single one could tell me about a character they liked. Every single, even the people that didn't even like, even uh, 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 Susan, my wife, she doesn't, she hates sci-fi,、yeah. but she could tell me about a character she liked from Star Wars. Yeah, and that's incredible because people, first off, they will they will relate to characters, and they relate to characters who have flaws because guess what? People have flaws, and if you don't have flaws. You gotta write a good character, and that's what they mess up with Superman. I think because Superman, he's not supposed to. Have, he's supposed to be what we could aspire to be. He's supposed to inspire hope, and we're supposed to be able to look up to him. And he's the one that's because he is what man could be at, at his pinnacle, right? That's what that's always what Superman was. He's he's not this gritty, brooding guy, but he's hope and he's truth and he's、uh, willing to sacrifice himself for the greater good. And if two people are about to fall out of a building, he doesn't say which one can I save. He saves both of them because he's Superman, right? Um, but there's a different way of writing that character. You write that character by showing his humanness and, and his frailty. Anyway, I don't know why I got into that tangent, but I guess because all the stories, the focus this year I felt was like on story, and I like that. I like when they start focusing on story、yeah. with these games, you know,、that、with with closer comp breakpoint. You know, I th- I think that's cool when you focus on like、uh, you throw a character out. Hey, you've been betrayed by everybody. You're on the run. What are you going to do? Or in Control by Remedy, which、uh, reminds me of a, of a classic、uh, psyops kind of thing, where you have these—you show up at this building, I guess, and、uh, this building's opened up some kind of portal, and you got like psych, like、uh, like telekinesis kind of powers, like、uh, not psychic powers, like you tell the future, but like、um, uh, like stuff like you know, you, you have a、uh, telekinesis basically, and different things like that with those kind of powers and stuff. And it seemed kind of a cool little mechanic, or or hiring a 
a gang of grannies to take down the evil government. <laughs> I mean, that just sounds really fun and, and kind of cool. A little story beginning. How about that? <laughs> hey, grannies got to save the day, man. That's cool, um, man. That's cool. Uh, the, the Outer Worlds. I, I forgot to say the story. So the story there is you were transferred to another planet, but your ship got somehow it got ca- uh, caught or something like that. So everyone froze. And you're the only one that got woke up. And when you woke up from the from the uh, you know, being frozen for so long, uh, you develop some sort of powers and stuff. But you're there trying to, you know, this this planet's taken over by an evil government kind of thing. You're there trying to. You can either free the people or you can join with the government, be evil. But uh, but there's there's a story there too. It's just in the characters uh, are so lively with their dialogue and their movement. And uh, yeah, it's just they're. Yeah, big focus on story, and I think uh, stories and games are are so good. And and yes, you got to have the good mechanics too. It's it's a it's got to be about balance when it comes to games. But um, yeah, like in books, has that three that three part balance. But in games, I think you, you then have to incorporate the gameplay along with the storytelling. But if you get that right, you, it's a it's a very unique experience, and it's pretty awesome. Get that wrong, which most of them do, and it's, it's a very forgettable experience. You feel like you're wasting your time, but. Very cool. No, <laughs> well, I think you're you're a good uh, good character, and I think uh, people <laughs> will remember you. Uh, and hopefully, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully, I mean, I, I'm always trying to jam you into more episodes than you can uh, with the uh, E3 thing. But um, we will. My cats have something cornered in the room, so I'm like sort of distracted. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we will wrap this episode up, and um, uh, usually this is where uh, Ben has his little catchword that he's not—he doesn't allow us to say it. So we're not going to say Godspeed. And oop, oh man, I blew it. How dare you? He's going to be so mad at me. So um, I think my my last words would be, uh, you know, is, uh, going back to one of the, the great video games of all time. I just say, all your base are belong to us. <laughs> That's the last word on that. All right, thank you once again. That's this is uh, Dana Lucas Timmerman, DL Timmerman, uh, his professional name. Uh, check check him out on YouTube. His uh, his writers group. Check out the stuff that he's he's uh, written. And um, uh, this guy is a, is a phenomenal guy. He's he's more fun in person. So you know, hey, if you like this stuff, contact him. Um, dig it. And uh, God bless you all. You have guys have a great. I uh, hope you had a great time listening to the episode. If you didn't, let me know because I'm the one to blame. And if you did, let uh, let everyone else know. Do you have any last words? Uh, no. <laughs> well, those are, those are two words. Those are definitely two words. If, if people want to come by, uh, you know, you want to come by on, on Twitter or whatever, Instagram, we'd love to have you over there. Uh, if you're a writer, especially, or a reader, we, we'd love to hang out with you. But otherwise, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm good. Um, I think I think the point of our show, and I love this, uh, is just, um, you know, just uh, uh, finish the fight. Keep keep rolling. But that's my motto for this year is finish the fight. Everything I do, finish the projects I'm working on, finish the goals, finish the dreams I have. Uh, keep pressing forward, upwards, onwards, to uh, glory to greater glory. Just move on, move move forward, man. Push past the things that are behind you, dragging you down, and uh, just just keep pressing forward. That, that's that's what's been on my heart this year. And uh, you know, C three, whatever. Just keep pressing on, whatever you're doing. Put that as the focus and get it done. Awesome. 
All right, man. Thank you once again. And uh, we are, uh, as they say, out. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David, Steve McDonald, and Dr. Jason Neal. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com, where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter, where we are at Strange and Alien, or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is one 804 And once again, thanks for listening. A uh, little theology, a little fun, and hopefully uh, by the end of the <laughs> end of the episode, we'll learn something too.